Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Oh, I'm so happy to join with you today. I am up in Maine on Deer Isle where my family has a home. I'm with my family and it's wonderful. Very, very glad. I uh, am so grateful to join with you today. And let's begin with a blessing. So we place our hand up on our heart. Take that breath of love and gratitude. So very grateful and thankful to open ourselves to unlimited, unprecedented love and goodness. We are grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the wisdom of the higher Holy Spirit self. We're connecting up, connecting in. We are grateful and thankful to call forth a revelation of truth. We are willing to have a realization of truth. We are grateful and thankful to open ourselves to unprecedented unlimited transformation and healing. We are calling forth this healing and transformation. We're allowing it to unfold with ease and with grace. We let it be. We know it's done. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. What a blessing. How blessed are we? So grateful. So truly, truly, very grateful. (laughs) So uh, today I am sharing about the laws of chaos. uh, Thanks to my friend Megan, I believe it was, who mentioned it to me. And uh, ding, 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 bells went off. And I felt the call of the Holy Spirit for us to talk about the laws of chaos from the text, and it is chapter 23, section 2. I think we'll find this very helpful. So I'm going to dive right in here and read paragraph 1. The laws of chaos can be brought to light, though never understood. Isn't that just helpful, like heads up, you're not going to be able to understand this because it's crazy, it's chaotic, and it's uh, about nonsense, literally nonsensical things. Chaotic laws are hardly meaningful and therefore out of reason's sphere, yet they appear to be an obstacle to reason and to truth. Let us, then, look upon them calmly, that we may look beyond them, understanding what they are, not what they would maintain. It is essential it be understood what they are for, because it is their purpose to make meaningless and to attack the truth. Here are the laws that rule the world you made, and yet they govern nothing and need not be broken, merely looked upon and gone beyond. So let's set that clear intention that we're going to look upon the laws of chaos and then go beyond them. It's so helpful, isn't it? to understand that, oh, there's a perceived limitation. That some people perceive a particular limitation that is not, in fact, real or true. And that way, if we know, oh, many people perceive this as a limitation uh, or that this is the limit, then we can say, But since it's not true, I don't need to adhere to what other people believe and think. 
And uh, I've been doing this for quite a long time now, and I I find it very helpful. Uh, From time to time, I will run into people who will say, you're not going to be able to do that. And I just, I don't need to argue with them. I don't need to defend myself. I don't need to explain myself. I can just say, oh, okay, and keep going. Because I don't wish to put any negative energy into it. So sometimes it's actually really helpful in a conversation where somebody's very vested in disagreeing with you. It can be very helpful to simply say, oh, okay, or yes, it's true. And then you go the other way. That way, that person's ego feels satisfied. Oh, they listened to me. They heard me. They agreed with me. So now they can let you go. They don't need to chase after you and argue with you. I wish someone had taught me that a very long time ago. Because I used to need to be right. And even, I would say, hmm. As importantly, I wanted to make others wrong. And so I put a lot of effort and energy into those two things, being right and making others wrong. Huge, huge investment of time, energy, and resources that did not bring me a helpful or positive benefit. We can learn through pain and suffering, or we can learn through joy, happiness, peace, harmony. We get to choose, and I used to choose learning through pain uh, way too often, way too often. But, you know, it's because I felt I deserved to be punished because I was bad and wrong. And so, in my twisted perspective, I was looking to be right all the time and I couldn't stand to be wrong because it just touched that nerve that I was so, so, so wrong. (sighs) Not happy days and unhappy days are not coming back. No way, no how. Not happening. So the laws of chaos can be brought to light, though never understood. So we're not going to try to understand them here. We're simply going to try, not try, we're simply going to let the Holy Spirit guide us to knowing what they are. So when we recognize them playing out in our ego experiences, we can go, oh, there it is, first law of chaos. Okay, I can look beyond it now. It's not a limitation. It's not a real thing. It has no meaning. It is a mirage. So, uh, the laws of chaos rule the world we made, and yet they govern nothing and need not be broken, merely looked upon and gone beyond. So that's our our task at hand, our opportunity at hand. The first chaotic law is that the truth is different for everyone. This one helped me so much. I actually got this a long time before I picked up A Course in Miracles because I got it in my studies at Agape with Michael Beckwith. He used to speak about this on a regular basis, so helpful to me personally. And here's how it's helpful. So the first chaotic law is that the truth is different for everyone. So there's two ways that this is really helpful. And one of them is that you see everything works together for good and there are no exceptions. So going back to the Course, everything works together for good and there are no exceptions. 
When we start making exceptions, we're making exceptions to the truth. The first chaotic law is that the truth is different for everyone. So what happens is when we believe that to be true, that the truth is different for everyone, we start making exceptions all over the place and saying, that's not good, that can't be good, that's not for my good, that's not helpful. And so, but we don't know because our ability to see beyond time and space and actually understand the cause of whatever's going on and the effect of whatever's going on, since we can't clearly, consciously comprehend cause and effect many times, we don't know what anything is for. Less than 25. I don't know what anything is for. Now, one of the things that Michael Beckwith taught me was that people don't have different versions of the truth. And yet, clearly, if you look around the world, it does seem as if they wish to have different versions of the truth. Why do I say that? Well, I can't tell you the number of times I have heard people say, my truth is. My truth is. So, oh, okay, so then there are different versions of the truth. But when people say that, they don't know what they're saying. They don't actually mean the truth. That's not what they're saying. They're saying, my perspective is, my view is, my feeling is, my belief is. And none of those things are truth. They're just not. Opinion, perception, projection, feelings, these are not truths. But people can use words any way they like. I, I like to be very careful in the use of my words because words are but symbols of symbols, as A Course in Miracles teaches us. And so using the words that clearly define what we're discussing helps me to better comprehend what I'm experiencing what we are discussing. So, when we say, my truth is, it's not our truth. So what could we say instead of that? We could say, my experience is. And I've used that many times. For instance, I've. it hasn't happened lately, but it used to be that uh, years ago, that I would be in conversations with people where uh, I would hear things like women saying, um, men are this or that. And they would make these generalizations. And I, I understand that. And oftentimes I felt that people were, um, women were, being disrespectful about men and lumping all male people together, and that's just not helpful. So rather than argue with them and say they're wrong, even if I did think they were incorrect, I would say, oh, that's interesting. I have a different experience. Oh, that's interesting. I have a different experience. Oh, that, hmm, yeah, that's so interesting. I have uh, not had that experience. Tell me more. And uh, sometimes you don't wish to know anymore. Just be like, oh, that's interesting. That's not been my experience. Oh, um, just realize I need to make a phone call. Boom, out of there. <laughs> but um, this is where people people like to make proclamations and things like that and you know it's then they're the authority right they've got it right and they're the authority uh i'm watching a a a thing uh like a masterpiece theater thing now where there's a character 
And she always is making these declarations about things that are actually just really, really insensitive ego statements. Nobody nobody calls her on it. I'm sure that's coming. Anyway, <laughs> um, that's what people do, right? People who are insecure will make declarations, negative declarations, as though they know what the truth is, but they don't know. So people don't have different versions of the truth. Now, in my world, in my experience, I hear people say on a somewhat regular basis out and about in the world, not in the power of love ministry community, because I think we're very careful about how we speak and practice. But I I do hear occasionally in classes, uh, but more so out in the world, that people will say my truth is. I don't correct them. I don't correct them. That's not my job to go around correcting people. If someone in class were to say it, then I would say, well, let's look at that. This is an opportunity to look at truth and what it is and what it means. And spirit often brings things up that way, that someone uh, will share something that's actually just an opinion, and then we can discuss it and see the light of truth. And it's wonderful. It's really wonderful. So... Many people will use that phrase. It's pretty popular now. My truth is. And then they'll tell you their perception, their perspective, their feelings, their beliefs, their opinions, their judgments. And I would just encourage you not to make other people wrong. Because oftentimes then you immediately get into things like compare and despair and um, arguing for the truth and making people wrong. And that's just not our job. That is not our job. Our job is to hold the light of truth. So if we can have a conversation without attachment, even to the truth, but have an attachment to being loving, being kind, feeling connected, being compassionate. I know when my nephew Alex was a little boy, now he's a grown man, um, and but when he was a little boy, he went through this phase where he would disagree with everybody. Somebody would say, um, oh, there's going to be French toast at the breakfast. No, there isn't. No, there isn't. Well, Alex, I, I spoke to Sue, who's hosting the breakfast, and she gave me the menu, and she said, there's going to be French toast. No, it's not going to be there. <laughs> Alex, how would you know? He used to do things like that, just... um you could say something like, um, ostriches don't fly. Yes, they do. They do. They do fly. They do. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> it just, he, it was a strange period. I don't know what it was, but fortunately he grew out of it. Um, and I just, I would, I, I, I realized pretty quickly even though he's a child, I can say, oh, I've never, I thought ostriches couldn't fly. No, they can fly. They can fly. Okay. Because I don't need to get into an argue every 30 minutes with his ego. Uh, that's just not going to be helpful. What's always helpful is to be loving and kind. Now, so here in the Laws of Chaos, the first chaotic law is that the truth is different for everyone. So when we hear somebody say, my truth is, and it doesn't feel like truth for you, because it's particular to them, we can know that the laws of chaos are 
appearing to grab a hold of our attention. That and and just as Jesus says in the first paragraph, these are the laws that rule the world you made, right? So uh, the truth appearing different for everyone. This is a law. The truth is different for everyone. This is the first law of chaos. The truth is different for everyone. Can you see how why this would be the first law of chaos? If we believe that, then pff, chaos. There is no truth. How can you find the truth if the truth is different for everyone? Hmm. There it is. So it's essential that we understand when people are making these statements that this is the law of chaos. This is how chaos makes its appearance. This is how chaos is reinforced. This is how chaos becomes the effect and the cause is believing that the truth is different for everyone. So, when we see, oh, here are people that believe the truth is different for them and for everyone by extension, we can say, ah, this belief system foments chaos. So funny how the word foment I started using the word foment a couple weeks ago, and it probably is because there's all this stuff going on, fomenting violence and divisiveness and things like that. Foment is a great word. It, uh, well, it's a helpful word. (laughs) It's an effective word. And uh, it can be used positively or negatively. So we could say that... uh, that to foment something is to grow it, to feed it, to um, encourage it uh, in, a, in a positive way. And we could also use it in a negative way, like it's going to incite violence, to foment violence. So the belief that the truth is different for everyone it incites divisiveness. It incites chaos. And people really do believe that there are different truths for different people. And yet, what does that do? It increases a sense of separation. It increases that sense of separation It does. So we have no need for this. This is not what we're interested in. This is not what is helpful. So let's just be clear about that. Now he says here, the first chaotic law is that the truth is different for everyone. Like all of these principles, this one maintains that each is separate and has a different set of thoughts that set him off from the others. So in our human experience, we have individuation. We have individual preferences. We have uh, uniqueness. But the uniqueness that we have is only in this world. Truth is not of this world. Truth is of spirit It is of God, it is of the Creator, it is of the I Am Presence, it is of the Holy Spirit. That's the realm of truth. This is not the realm of truth, so you can see why the first law of chaos would be that there are many different truths. So the first law of chaos is, in fact, a lie, a deception, a perception. A projection. This principle evolves from the belief that there is a hierarchy of illusions. Some are more valuable and therefore true. Aha! 
hierarchy of illusions. Don't we get caught up in that hierarchy of illusions? Yes, we do. We do. And it's like the level confusion. So let's Let's not go there. Let's stay away from there and recognize the first law of chaos is coming into view so we can look beyond it. Indeed. And that's why we like to have reminders throughout the day and have practices throughout the day. Two ways that I can help you with that are the free A Course in Miracles app. Uh, It's... uh, Wherever you get your apps, you can get that app, and it's free, and it's got all three books of A Course in Miracles in it, plus many more resources. You can set reminders and do things like that that can be very helpful. The other way I can help you to remember throughout the day is with the text messages. So we have A Course in Miracles text messages, acimtexts.com, acimtexts.com. Yes. You can also find all these resources at jenniferhadley.com. Go to the events page and you'll see things there. I'm Jennifer Hadley. You're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love, walking the talk, and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, living the love, walking the talk. And we're back just like that. (laughs) Talking about the laws of chaos, the laws of chaos. And the first law of chaos is that the truth is different for everyone. It says here, and again, this is chapter 23, section 2, the laws of chaos. Paragraph 2. Like all these principles, this one, the law of the first chaotic law, maintains that each is separate and has a different set of thoughts that set him off from others. This principle evolves from the belief that there is a hierarchy of illusions and some are more valuable and therefore true. Each one establishes this this for himself and makes it true by his attack on what another values. And this is justified because the values differ and those who hold them seem to be unlike and therefore enemies. So key in this is that the belief that there are different truths and different truths apply differently to different people becomes the basis for believing that attack is justified. Yet, attack is never justified. That's a teaching from the Course. And if we can just remember that attack is never justified, we're going to be so, so grateful. He then goes on to tell us in paragraph 3, think how this seems to interfere with the first principle of miracles. So let's just remember the very first principle of miracles, chapter 1. First paragraph, there is no order of difficulty in miracles. One is not harder or bigger than another. They are all the same. All expressions of love are maximal. Unity, sameness, this is what returns our sanity. So, The insanity is seeing differences everywhere. The sanity approach is seeing the sameness. No order of difficulty in miracles. One is not harder or bigger than another. They're all the same. All expressions of love are maximal. Yet, when we believe there are different truths for different people, then you see we are descending into madness into chaos go the other way so he says again think how this seems to interfere with the first principle of miracles for this establishes degrees of truth among illusions making it seem that some of them are harder to overcome than others 
If it were realized that they're all the same and equally untrue, it would be easy then to understand that miracles apply to all of them. Errors of any kind can can be corrected because they are untrue. When brought to truth instead of to each other, they merely disappear. No part of nothing can be more resistant to the truth than can another. So we bring the darkness to the light. We bring the untruth to the truth. And this is how we heal and transform. So let's look at this from another perspective. Truth is true. And it's true for everyone. It's true the same for everyone. We do not have different versions of the truth. There's just truth is true. So that being the case, it helps, and it certainly has helped me, it helps us to be able to look around the world, look at our experiences, look at our life, and say, okay, the truth is true for everyone. If it's true, then it must bring a sense of peace, a sense of harmony, a sense of all's right with the world. Truth is liberating, after all. The truth sets us free. So it's untruths that create the chaos that, uh, or, or generate the chaos, generate the fear. They are the fomenters, <laughs> the fomenters of fear and chaos, untruths. So uh, for me, one of my favorite affirmations is, let the truth be revealed and love prevail. May the truth be revealed and love prevail. May the truth be revealed and love prevail. So this is what we're going for. This is what's so helpful to us. Now, in our day-to-day experiences, we can fall into a false belief that the truth is different for everyone. So, When we are upset and bothered, we can look for the thought that is acting like a splinter in our mind. And so the thought might be, I'm not good enough. Something's wrong with me. I don't have what it takes. Now, the ego-identified person will say, That's true. Uh, And it's not true, but it's believed. Reverend Michael used to say, a lie believed acts like the truth. I'm not 100%, I've never been 100% enamored of that expression, but there is something to it. I haven't found the the precise correction or shift that will make me love it. But a lie believed seems like the truth. Well, I like that, actually. There it is. Thank you, Jesus. A lie believed seems like the truth. A lie believed seems like the truth. So here's another example All of these kinds of people are unworthy of love. All of these kinds of people are not very smart. When we start making statements like that, we could find false evidence appearing real. We could find what seems like evidence to back up our opinions and judgments, our declarations. 
But that doesn't make them true. A lie believed acts like the truth, or a lie believed seems like the truth. It seems like the truth. I like that much better. So for me, using this measuring stick of truth has been so very, very helpful to me. And how I use it is like this. I am able to look at a situation and then if I'm feeling upset, I look for the lie and tell it the truth. I look for the lie and I tell it the truth. A lie believed seems like the truth. So I look for, oh, am I believing some lie here? Is there self-deception going on? I'll know there is if I'm feeling upset and worried and bothered. Then I'll know that I'm truly believing something that's not true. And so I can change my mind. I can go the other way. And that's helpful to me. It's very helpful to me. So this is how we learn to value the truth. This is learn how we learn to stop making errors and investing in that which isn't true and will never be true. I'd also like to look here at, uh, it's chapter 9, and it's just at the beginning of chapter 9, section 1, which is entitled The Acceptance of Reality. And in paragraph, it's the introduction, paragraph 11, Jesus says, You do not recognize the enormous waste of energy you expend in denying truth. What would you say of someone who persists in attempting the impossible, believing that to achieve it is to succeed? So that's us. By denying the truth, we're attempting the impossible, believing that to achieve it is to succeed. So we deny the truth. What is the truth that we're actively denying? Our magnificence, our perfection, our wholeness, the unity of all life the natural prosperity and abundance that is everywhere present. And on and on and on. So it's an enormous waste of energy. It takes tremendous time, focused attention to deny the truth in order to think that we're not good enough, that we're bad, that we're wrong, that we're guilty, that we're unlovable, that we can't succeed, that there's something wrong with us, that we are in some way um, lacking in fact, it says here, so we're believing that denying all the truth of our being, our wholeness, our magnificence, our perfection, our holiness, our beauty, that doing that, actively doing that, day in and day out, we believe that's success. Why else would we do it? Right? So to cripple ourselves in this world, to hold ourselves back in this world, to play small in this world, we deny the truth. That we are the light of the world. That there is magnificence within us. And that we are here for a powerful and beautiful holy purpose. Jesus says, the belief that you must have the impossible in order to be happy is totally at variance with the principle of creation. So to have the impossible is to have a false truth. God could not will that happiness depended on what you could never have. The fact that God is love does not require belief, 
but it does require acceptance. So what's so helpful to us with this? Teach only love, for that is what we are. Right? Rather than deny love, love does not require belief, but it does require acceptance. It is indeed impossible for you to deny facts, although it is impossible for you to change them. So we can do that all the time, right? We can deny facts. Facts uh, such as um, what the weather's going to be. Facts can be uh, things like our weight. Facts can be he left, she left. These can be facts that we can deny. They're not truths, they're facts. Important distinction. The truth sets us free. Facts do not. He says, if you hold your hands over your eyes, you will not see because you're interfering with the laws of seeing. Right? If you, if you cover your eyes, you can't see what a beautiful day it is. But that doesn't mean it's not a beautiful day. If you cover your ears, you can't hear the birds singing, but that doesn't mean that they're not singing. If you deny love, you will not know it because cooperation is your cooperation is the law of its being. You cannot change laws you did not make. And the laws of happiness were created for you, not by you. So the laws of happiness were created for you, not by you. So this is where we get tripped up all the time. Spirit is always working for us, never against us, but we don't believe that, so we interpret things differently. And so we make things up because we don't value the truth. We, that's one of the things about this world. In this world, we have the ability to make things up, self-deceive, and believe what we have deceived ourselves into seeing. And indeed, we do it all the time. So what Jesus is saying in the section on the laws of chaos, don't get hung up on the laws of chaos. Don't try to change them. Don't try to understand them. But simply recognize what they are and that they are operating in our consciousness and then look beyond them. So here's a way to look beyond them. If I believe that I'm unworthy, and I think that's my truth, uh, then I'm going to be walking around looking to gather evidence to support what I believe. Because that's the thing about uh, a lie believed seems to be true because we're always looking for evidence to support it. Now, that evidence is the false evidence appearing real. It's, it's not actually evidence that what we believe is true. It's only evidence that we believe it's true. So we believe that we are not good enough, something's wrong with us, we are not lovable, and then we experience somebody treating us poorly, it's not proof that we are not lovable. It's proof that we don't believe we are lovable. So it's very helpful to realize we are not seeing the truth. We're seeing what we believe. The truth is not something that we see. It's something that we know. That's helpful. And so let's be really clear here. If we're not lovable, then no one is lovable because the truth applies to everyone just the same. There are not different versions of the truth for different people. And that's how we know it's the truth. So 
the truth liberates everyone or it liberates no one. The truth is restorative to everyone or it's restorative to no one. The truth is true for everyone or it's not true for anyone. So the law of cause and effect, for instance, is part of truth. And so we can know that the law of cause and effect applies to everyone or it applies to no one. And this is a good thing. Because in our eternal reality, consistency is key. One of the ways that we become aligned with truth is to value the truth consistently. And actually, you know, I'm, I'm going to share that uh, this is something that I have really, really studied, looked deeply into, and learned so much from. Because I used to think I was right about everything. And I was a grudge holder, I was a fault finder, I was a complainer, and I always thought I was right. I didn't realize that what I was doing was I was constantly putting limitations onto my life through complaining and through holding on to resentments, holding on to regrets, blaming other people for how I felt, trying to control and manipulate other people. Uh, All of these things I did every day, all day long. And I didn't have a clue that these were the causes of my pain. All this unloving behavior, all the ways that I thought the truth thought that something false was actually the truth. It was a constant cause of my pain and suffering. And uh, now I kind of roll it all into a ball and call it, that's how we're playing small. We're playing small by buying into the labels. We're playing small by reliving the past all the time. We're playing small by living in lack and limitation thinking. We're living in Uh, We're playing small by defending ourselves. We have so many habits that keep us playing small. Now, I I don't really know anyone who wants to play big. Uh, Maybe no one who would like to play bigger than me. Well, I just spent the weekend with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free. And and spiritual teachers, we, we would like to liberate all beings. And it's not, of course, that we would be the liberators, though we, we can hold that identity, that, that archetype in our mind of liberation and liberators. Certainly Jesus was a liberator um, and is a liberator. And so we can hold that in our mind. But it's, it's, it's not that we would like to be well-known or well-recognized. What we would like is for the truth to be well-known and recognized. That's what we're interested in. So for us, playing small is not to recognize the truth ourselves and to keep recycling and regurgitating the same small-minded perceptions, projections, opinions, judgments. And so this is precisely why I started offering my Stop Playing Small retreat years ago. And now this month in September, in just a couple weeks, September 18th we start, I'm offering uh, this retreat again online because it was so successful when I did it online earlier this year. And people are still just reverberating with the healing and expansion. In fact, a lot of people who took it before are going to take it again because it was so helpful to them. And I, if you feel, if you notice every day you're feeling lack and limitation experiences, lack and limitation thinking, please consider coming and joining us in the Stop Playing Small online retreat this September and then follow it up with my Finding Freedom Spiritual Boot Camp in October 
and then we'll be finishing that at the end of the year and you'll be so ready for Masterful Living in January. I, I can see now that the reason that Spirit has got me doing these classes in this order is it's so helpful to people in the mind training of A Course in Miracles. Because uh, Lisa and Bill and I were talking about this over the weekend, it's it's so easy to read and reread the Course without actually taking it in and applying it. So that's why my classes are designed to help you take it in and apply it. And you know, one of the common things I hear from people in class with me is, ah, you know, I had the intuition to do this a few years ago, but I put it off and put it off and put it off. And uh, finally I decided I have to do it now. I can't wait any longer. So act now and you can have it all. (laughs) Act now. Don't delay your happiness. Don't delay the healing of your mind, your body, your relationships, your emotions, your well-being, your finances. Don't delay. So many people are profoundly grateful that they were in Masterful Living this year, that they have taken Finding Freedom this year. It's a very intense time in humanity, in case you haven't noticed. And we need to be on our toes, on our best game, and we can be. That's really the truth of it. So I know if it calls to you, you will check it out. So the truth is our liberator. The truth is not true for everyone. That's the first law of chaos. First law of chaos is this concept that there's different truths for different people, and there are not. What's true for me is I am grateful. I am so, so grateful. The fact is I'm grateful for your fellowship on this path. And thank you for your donations and your good reviews These things make it possible for us to do wonderful things. Yes, 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 yes. Well, let's take that breath and affirm that the truth is true for us. It's liberating us here and now, and we are grateful to share the benefits with everyone. We let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Have a great rest of your week. I love you. Mwah.